that you had saved up for a vacation in the Florida Keys. And you have, um, you have the week, and so you drive down and you, you've, uh, you've reserved a house. And the house is a one-bedroom, but it has a pull-out um, sofa that, you know, your kids can sleep on. And so you're going to be a little cramped, but this is what you could afford. And you're excited, and, and if you look across the street in between two mansions, you can almost see the water. Um, and you get down there, so you, you go to the, the agent who has your, your key, and the agent says that there's been a last-minute cancellation. And to your surprise, um, this house that is across the street from yours that's on the beach that's a five-bedroom house with a private pool is available to you for the same price that you are going to rent the one bedroom for. And the agent says, you know, it's up to you. You can have either one, same price. Which one do you pick? Not a trick question. The five-bedroom mansion, right? Because... More is better. It's not complicated. We, um, we are all, whether we realize it or not, we are all driven by a desire for more. A desire for more joy. And, and um, maybe you call it joy, maybe you call it satisfaction, maybe you call it fulfillment. But we all make decisions every single day. Because of this drive, because of our drive for more, for more joy. And I'm going to argue this morning that that is a good desire. That that's actually a God-given desire. But I'm also going to argue that we usually search for that in the wrong place. And we're going to talk about where we need to start looking for that joy, for that fulfillment. I'm going to use several words interchangeably. I might say joy, I might say fulfillment, I might say satisfaction, I might call it happiness. And some of you think, you know, well, happiness and joy are different. I know I've, I've heard that argument and I, I understand the point. People say happiness is fleeting, you know, it's based on circumstances and joy is abiding. But when I'm ta- if I use the word happiness, just know I'm talking about an abiding Happiness, a deep happiness that does not, um, that's not fickle. So, so we're all motivated by this God-given desire for more joy, more enjoyment. Um, when you take a job or quit one, you're motivated by this desire. Even when you do sacrificial things for others, You're still motivated by this. You've just placed your joy into the joy of another person. I do this all the time because of my kids. My kids, I love to see them happy. So I'll sacrifice things for them because I've placed my joy in their joy. It still increases my joy, even though it might be a sacrifice on my part. Um, Our decisions are constantly motivated by this desire for more joy. My goal this morning comes from 2 Corinthians 1, 
24. And uh, if you've got a bulletin, the, the verses are on the back and they're also going to be on the screen because I'm going to be flipping all over the place. Um, but in 2 Corinthians 1.24, Paul says, Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy. We work with you for your joy. Paul saw something in the Bible that led him to believe that it was very important that the church have joy. Very important. Very important. So he says, I'm working with you for your joy. And, and that's my goal this morning. I want to work with you this morning for your joy. I want you to walk out of here more motivated to seek joy. And knowing where you're going to find it ultimately. There is... Um, there are ways to, to find joy, enjoyment, that aren't lasting, that aren't full. And, um, and we're going to find out that the only place that we can be truly fulfilled, the only place that we can experience real, lasting, full joy is in God, in our relationship with Him. And I'm working from the premise that most of the time we don't enjoy God the way that we should. I, I know that that's true for me. I'm assuming, I'm making an assumption that this is true for most of us. That we don't always enjoy God the way that we should. That we wouldn't necessarily be able to say with King David... Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Your steadfast love is better than life. That's from Psalm 63, 1 and 3. So two things, I think, stop us from enjoying God. And there's more and these two things, but I'm going to focus on these two things. The first one that I'm going to talk about is that we aren't fully convinced that God wants to be enjoyed, uh, that He wants us to have full joy. And so we need to be convinced of that. And so I'm going to hopefully convince you of that this morning through God's Word. And then secondly, that sin stands in the way of us fully enjoying God. So first, let me look, let's, let's look together at what God's Word says about um, His desire for us to enjoy Him. Let me pray before we, before we dig into these other scriptures. Heavenly Father, I thank You so much for this morning. I thank You so much for Your Word. I thank You so much for joy. I thank you that you are a happy God. I thank you for happy babies. Joyous babies, God. We pray that, um, that you would fill us this morning with joy in you. And if we don't have that, if we haven't experienced that, that you would cause our souls to thirst for you. 
Lord, and that we would seek you and we know that you will be found. I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me just start by looking at a couple verses, three verses, actually, to make a case for the fact that God wants you to thoroughly enjoy him. Philippians 4.4 in the NLT says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Always be full of joy in the Lord. Remember, this is God's word. This isn't just somebody's thoughts. These are God's words. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the the desires of your heart. Now, let me just say with that, If you are delighting yourself in the Lord, then the desires of your heart will be in line with His desires. So if you are delighting yourself in the Lord, you will not be desiring things contrary to His will. And so God promises, yeah, delight yourself in me and I will give you what your heart desires. And then John 15, 11 says, this is Jesus' words, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. You guys probably have heard me say this a bunch, but Jesus was a really happy guy, a joyful guy. Yes, he was also called a man of many sorrows because he had a great burden on him. He wept for uh, Jerusalem. But... The Bible also tells us that he was anointed with an oil of gladness beyond all his companions. And Jesus also kept being invited back to parties and weddings and and gatherings. And we know that that just wouldn't happen if he was this doom and gloom guy who was no fun to be around. He was an enjoyable person. And the Bible tells us that he had a greater joy than all his companions. And why wouldn't he? If the source of all joy is an intimate relationship with God, knowing God, and no one knew the Father greater than Jesus, then no one's joy could compare. Jesus was a very joyful guy, is, and was as he walked this earth. And so, when he says, That my joy may be in you. When he says that to his disciples, I've spoken these things that my joy may be in you. His disciples went, man, I would love that. I want that. I want the joy he has. And then he says that your joy may be full. So the entire Bible is actually slam-packed with verses about enjoying God and having a full joy and satisfaction and fulfillment. Jesus said, you know, I've come that you may have life and life to the full. Life to the full or life abundant. So this good news is just that. 
good news. And it would do us so much good if we got that God wants us to enjoy Him. See, what we do is we think that we've got to look elsewhere for enjoyment. You know, we need to go to, we need to turn to entertainment or sports or, you know, weekend getaways or whatever it is. We've got to turn to other things for enjoyment. We go to God, He's, that's serious. You know, here's where we get really serious, and then over here we have enjoyment. Guys, God is an enjoyable, wonderful person that wants you to spend time with Him and get enjoyment out of your relationship with Him. I mean, listen to this. In Romans 14... 17, it says, The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So Paul, when he decides, he's inspired by the Holy Spirit as he's writing this, and he decides, I'm going I'm to use three words to describe the kingdom of God. And one of his three choices is joy. The kingdom of God is about joy. Joy. And this isn't saying that we aren't going to go through hard times. It's not at all what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that when you go through hard times, when you have struggles, there is still joy available to you in your relationship with God. I mean... I mean, in that verse in Philippians that we just read where, he's, where Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always or let your joy be full in the Lord. He is chained up in a prison. In a dungeon. How in the world is that? You, you sit there and you go, well, I would have joy if it wasn't for my circumstances. And Paul just blows that out of the water. Because he is overflowing with joy in the midst of the worst of circumstances. I mean, he's preaching so clearly to us. Look, it doesn't matter where you are or what your circumstances are. There is always joy to be found in God. He is the source of all joy and all satisfaction and ultimate fulfillment. And he has come to give us life abundant. You know, enjoying God is not just a suggestion. It's a must. It's a must. Because God is honored by the way we enjoy Him. Not just by the way we think about Him. And if, and if it doesn't go beyond thinking to enjoying, we don't honor Him at all. I mean, two weeks ago I preached about the fact that the demons believe in God... They are, they're damned, right? So, what, how is that? How can they have right thinking about God, but they're demons? I mean, the demons have, every time in Scripture where they come in contact with Jesus, they, they 
immediately they, they fall down in front of him. You know, what have you to do with me, son of God, or son of the Most High? They have right thinking. But it doesn't go beyond right thinking. And this is crucial. See, the devil himself, Satan, he has right theology, I promise you. He knows this book better than we do. I promise you, he knows more about God than you and I. It's not his theology that's the problem, what he thinks about God. It's his desires that's the problem. He doesn't enjoy God. He doesn't love God. He doesn't delight in God. And if, if you don't love God, you just have thinking. You're, you, know, you think it's just about your thinking. You're deceived. It has got to go beyond thinking. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. The crown of life which we are going to get when we enter into the kingdom. Which God has promised to those who love him. Not to those who think right thoughts about him. To those who love him. 1 Corinthians 16.22 Paul, man, Paul, bold, always. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. And then Jesus said in Matthew 15, 8. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So, affections matter. This whole enjoying God thing really matters because God is honored by the way we enjoy Him. Really popular pastor, teacher, author says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Because when you enjoy Him, you praise Him. You make Him look great. Right? That's what glorifying God is. You're you're making Him look as great as He really is. And so He is honored by the way we enjoy Him. Does it honor my wife if I'm like, yeah, we uh, got to go on a date. <laughs> and, you know, we usually go eat and it only, I mean, I only have to suffer through an hour, you know, and then it's over. Does that honor her? No, if, I, if I'm like, I get to go on a date with my wife. I get to spend some time without the kids with my wife. Now that honors her because I enjoy her. She's honored. And God is no different. So when the Bible says things like 1 Thessalonians 5.16, rejoice always, we have to realize it's not just a suggestion. These are commands. It's not not easy for, for us to do. I'm not... I'm not saying that this is easy, but I'm saying it's worth working for. It's worth working for 
Work for your joy. Fight for your joy. Go to the Word. Jeremiah the prophet said, I found your words and I ate them. And they became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. Take his word and ingest it. Eat it. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You live on these words. This is your sustenance, and it will become to you a joy and the delight of your heart. So when you struggle, if you have a melancholy type disposition, it's going to be more of a fight for you, but it's worth fighting for. Go to the Word, spend time alone with Him, worship Him, fight for your joy. And I just want to make a clarification that God is not a genie who's simply looking to grant your every request because He wants you happy. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about, I don't want you to walk out of here thinking, well, man, God really wants me to be happy, you know, and I really want to, I really want to make $100,000 a year, so God, hook me up, right? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about using God for things, for, you know, his blessings. I'm talking about God himself being your joy. Your relationship with him being what you enjoy. In Psalm 43, 4, it says, Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. God my exceeding joy. God himself, not his gifts, is the source of our joy. So, I hope that in that brief amount of time, you're at least somewhat convinced that God wants you to enjoy him. He wants you to have joy. And in fact, probably more than anything else, he wants you to have joy in him. Because if you don't, you can't honor him. This is crucial. I mean, like, if I had just one message, you know, if somebody said you got one last thing you can leave behind for believers, this is it. Find your joy in God. Be passionate about Him. Because if you don't, if you don't find your joy in Him, you will certainly look in other places. And you won't honor him. And other people won't be drawn to him. Why would they want a God that doesn't satisfy? So fight for this before anything else. Sin stands in the way of us fully enjoying God. That's that's the second reason I think that we don't enjoy God as much as we should. Psalm 1611 says, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. In your right hand, at your right hand, are pleasures forevermore. And then remember what Jesus said that we read earlier in John 15, 11, These things I've spoken to you, 
that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Keep noticing this word full. You can't get more than full. There's no full plus. This is the most joy you can have forevermore, it says. You can't have it longer than forever, and you can't have more than full. So there's nowhere else to go looking where you're going to have more joy or more satisfaction. But when we sin, this is what we're doing. When we sin, we're actually looking elsewhere for joy and satisfaction, fulfillment. But the Bible promises that there is no, nowhere that more joy can be found. I, I would say that if we could simply believe this truth, we would, we would stop choosing sin. This is, I mean, this is life changing. This one thing that you cannot find more joy than in God. And when you read Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, these people who, who followed God, they, they chose to obey Him. And it says that God is the rewarder of those who seek Him. This is what, this is what they believed, that it would be more rewarding to go His way. That they, they chose to give up earthly things, to give up short-term enjoyments, because they believed He really would reward them for seeking him. It says in the Bible that sin enslaves us. What is that talking about? Jesus said it in um, John 8, 34. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Raise your hand if you ever practice sin. Okay, so we've all had this enslavement, sin enslaves, how does that happen? Jesus said in 8, 31 and 32, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The reason that we become enslaved to sin is because sin tells us lies. We believe them. And we actually become enslaved to a lie. See, the reason that we sin is because we we believe this lie. And there there actually is a measure of enjoyment in sin. That's that's why we do it. Um, I mean, there is a measure of enjoyment. Or else we wouldn't do it. But what the lie we believe is that there's more enjoyment to be found in sin than in obeying God. Right? More joy is better. More is better. It's not complicated. (laughs) It's, It's really not. So it's a faith issue right there in that moment. We're believing that there's more joy to be found in the sin. Is that true? No, we're all convinced of this. This is a faith issue. The Word of God, though, 
gives us faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we need to hear these things, these truths, and it stirs up faith in us. We need to believe that God has promised us a greater joy than sin. When we, when we blow up, lose our temper with someone, it's because there's some enjoyment in that. Right? I mean, because, because they deserve it. And justice was served, right? I mean, I'm just saying, sin has enjoyment. All sin, if you think about it, being angry with someone, there's, a, there's some measure of enjoyment there. You, you feel like you are justified in your anger. You don't want to forgive them. I mean, right? There's some enjoyment in sin. So, when we are tempted to sin, whatever that temptation may be, in the moment that the temptation comes, there's a lie presented. Okay? You hear the lie, and the lie basically is this. It would be more enjoyable to, to give in to this temptation. And then when we sin, we, we buy the lie and we, we, we commit to it. So there's a chance right there in between hearing the lie and making the decision that we've got to change our thinking. Right? James 1, 13 through 17 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. We, we have these Ephesians, I can't remember where. Somewhere in Ephesians, it says we have these deceitful desires. They're desires that are deceitful. It says that each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Now think about it. So we all, are, we all are driven by the desire for more joy. God gave us that so that we would seek Him. But those desires become deceived and we are lured and enticed by this desire for joy. So the enemy comes, he dangles some lure in front of you. You know, and, and you see it. And you go, wow, what? I want more joy. And, that, and in that moment, you are believing that you will get more joy if you go after the lure. But here's what James says. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So the lure is dangled, and you know it's not coming from God. You know it's not from above. 
And in that moment, you believe that that's a good gift? And James says, don't be deceived. It's it's not a good gift. You're going to bite into it and find out. See, sin tries to make us think that other things would be more enjoyable than God. The lure is dangled, and you go for it. Maybe your temptation is to be lazy when you know God is wanting you to be productive. And just saying, I'm, this, this, I pulled this one right out of my own. And, um, and you think, you know, it would, it, it would be enjoyable to lay here on the couch and watch The Bachelor and eat bonbons. It would be enjoyable for a time. I mean, I, not, I wouldn't want to watch The Bachelor, but if you watch The Bachelor, I don't even know if it's still on the air. Uh, <laughs> but you know in that moment, so the temptation comes, but you know in that moment, no. God has offered me more joy, a better joy, a lasting joy, a more fulfilling joy. And so you, you look that lure and you say, no, it's not complicated, more is better. Right? Maybe your temptation is to look at pornography. How do you defeat a temptation like that? With a greater joy, with a better joy, you look at the lure and you say, no. It's not complicated. More is better. Maybe you are tempted to continue a relationship with somebody who doesn't love Jesus. And you go, well, how can I walk away from that? You look at the lure and you say, no. God's promised better, more. More joy and more is better. By faith, by faith, we have got to believe. We've got to take God at his word. And he says that in his presence there is fullness of joy and at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And when we choose to walk in sin, we choose to leave walking with him. We leave his presence. We we walk away from, we destroy our confidence, our faith. Sin offers you a gift, but it is not good. It leads down a dead-end road. It's like a Tootsie Roll with a turd in the middle. You know, it's so good at first. Or it's like a a chocolate-covered grenade. Gonna be pretty good to begin with, but you're gonna end up losing your life. So, the power of sin is in its promise for enjoyment. We destroy its power when we believe the truth 
that God offers us a better forever enjoyment in Him. We destroy sin's power. Ultimate enjoyment can only be found in God. It's not complicated. More is better. C.S. Lewis said, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We're half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition, when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. God is offering us the five-bedroom mansion on the water. And we're choosing the slum. Because we're pleased with that. Because that's good enough for us. So I want to leave you with this one last challenge. Don't, Don't be satisfied with less than what God's offering. Yeah. Don't eat the third. We got to realize this again and again every day, though. This is not like you get it one day and you're good. This is a fight. A fight. Every day we have to remind ourselves, you know what? Today I'm going to find my joy in God. I'm going to enjoy Him today. I'm going to walk in His presence. I'm not going to say yes to sin. I'm going to Go to him for my satisfaction. Sin is enjoyable for a time, but he is better. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the fact that um, you didn't call us to a joyless relationship with you, but just the opposite. You have called us, Lord, to a fulfilling, satisfying relationship with you. And that our desires for joy are from you, Lord. We can, we can seek joy in you. I pray, Father, that you would help us to enjoy you today and this week, and that we would learn to fight for our joy. We wouldn't give in to uh, the temptation to, to turn to other things for joy. We thank you for your word, God, which is completely true. I thank you for this church and for what you're doing in this valley, and I pray, God, that you continue that, and that you continue to bring more, more souls into the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.